0: Do you enjoy sitting at the pub, or at the ground, listening to two blokes tell you who's going to win the footy and why, you know, the type of guys that puff at their chest and say, hey, say I told you so. After their obscure multi comes up. Well, if you do, this is the podcast for you. you, you so? It's finally here, round one. No more cliches, no more speculation, no more fake news, or filler. Just footy. And perhaps a drink and a feed down at the Yorkshire Hotel, our sponsors' pub, to celebrate as well. And to help me preview all of the first week action for the AFL year is the people's punter himself, The Barrel. How are we doing, Baz? Are you excited? It's finally here. No more filler, no more top 10 absolute cliche articles to read on Twitter or on Facebook, just real footy.
1: Yeah, no more Twilight Grand Final talk, no more, you know, bringing a new team into Tasmania. No more riding teams off. Just let's get to the footy, talk footy, and let's. I'm pumped. I really am, especially for a night, Collingwood versus Geelong. A bit nervous, but I'm looking forward to this year, which is a worrying sign because generally when I look forward to a year for a sporting team of mine, uh, we fail. It's a bit sad. It's it not, is. not a great fan space no, to be no, in. No, but.
0: No, no. You used to call me on my cell phone Lay night when you need my love Call me on my cell phone we do have some real news as well I wanna get you on the blower about it's our new favourite news segment, Baz on the Blower. And my first is you're obviously a renowned coach now. <laughs> yeah, I love how much you just you get nervous now. You get nervous when I pump you about your coaching. But you are a coach and you you don't have that many runners. You seem to deal okay in the amateur situations without over reliance on a runner. Yep. So why are AFL coaches so obsessed with them? And especially ones that have mature teams. So why is Alistair Clarkson, of all people, super upset that he's about to lose his runner except for in-between goals?
1: Well, most players, especially at our level, know their rotations. Um, it would just be getting messages out. It's like simple little things. But, yeah, I don't know how important they are really at AFL level. The only thing I can think of is when I was watching a JLT Cup and I had the signs up and blokes would look up and see their numbers there. They look at the number and go, Yeah, no, I'm not coming off, and they'd run back to the play. Maybe that was getting a bit frustrating for them. I think the big issue is for the younger teams with you know players on the field trying to coach and manipulate and make sure things are structured set up right. They can get it wrong being younger. So I think that's what Hodgie was talking about. But yeah, for teams like Alistair Clarkson, um, Hawthorne, Collingwoods, your Geelongs, your Geelong, Sydneys, even your Richards and stuff, that. They know they know themselves. It'll just be little bits of tinkering, like maybe they're getting done somewhere in the, infield, like in the midfield. Uh, you know, Maybe they're getting sucked in too much of the contest. He probably wants to get a quick message out to those boys saying, look, we're getting sucked in too much, or watch Harry is getting out on the outside, you know, he's standing back. It's just something stupid like that. But I don't think it's a, a massive issue. I think, think it's just they need time to adjust, and they haven't given themselves enough. They probably didn't prepare enough for it, and they thought they were going to get away with it pretty easily, and it wouldn't matter. And when it got to the first round JLT Cup, they've all panicked a bit. But most of the teams seem to be doing, dealing it right with Well,
0: it. it's very interesting which coaches you talk to. And so, obviously, Beveridge has a super young team, the Dogs. And so, he's a bit concerned and probably fair enough. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I think a bit of Alistair's, a bit of the old power play. Because he used to be the have a coffee with the CEO and everything gets happened my way. Yeah. And I think he might have lost his spot now. I think that could be Bucks domain. I reckon Bucks is now the, the golden child of coaches. And, uh... Because he's all he's everything. Bucks has said this pre season. He's just loved all the rule changes. He's loved them all. He's been a little a little bit of a mouthpiece for the AFL.
1: I actually rate the rule changes. Oh right. I mean, and I've, that's fair I've, enough. It's, yeah, it's but
0: a lot of the coaches don't like rule changes because they means they have to adapt and change their tactics. And so obviously Clark has come out. I'm going to give the AFL a whack. And usually when I give them a whack, I will get a phone call saying, "Yeah, sure. What do you want to happen? What do you want to happen, Clarko? We'll make it happen for you." And this year, nothing.
1: So I wish we had six 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 and all this stuff because it just makes. I'm still only a couple of years in of being a coach, but it makes it a bit more interesting, like your tactics and changing it up and stuff. Like that, and the that way you can think about getting ahead of the game because it make it's always different. You know, AFL has been pretty much the same for so many years. You know little rule tweaks, especially these ones, they're big changes. It's just a different way of looking at it. I, I'm yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not that we get to have the six six six, but the kicking one I'm really looking forward to. And you know, listen to Buckley the other day as well, he was talking about you know the. You gotta, if you give a little, you got to take a little as well. So saying you know, we might attack from kick-ins, but then we might get hit back the other way if we don't execute it. Same, th- you know, those sorts of things. So you got to weigh them up. and So that's how he's looking at it. So, oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I, I think the rule, this whole run of malarkey is a bit over the top. Probably more uh, front-page, back-page filler until tomorrow night. And speaking of filler for the front and back
0: pages, I reckon this could be the number two filler story for the week.
1: AFL Edge is coming
0: to a goalpost near you, Baz. We've got Schnicko technology. Do we need it? Our goal review is overrated. Like, how how often do you actually need a goal review?
1: If we have if we get Hawk or our technology like they do with the tennis and cricket, then that's fine. Have it because seriously, like in tennis, it takes what five seconds. Yeah, that's fine. If we don't, then just get rid of it. If it's an enemy the same stuff they've had the last two years, it's pointless because it weighs thirty, forty seconds. The guy looking at the video has got, you know, stuff that I'm recording on my phone better to look at, so there's no point. But if we get a proper AFL edge, as they're calling it, or Hawkeye, then yet go nuts.
0: And what I found funny is like everyone's obsessed with goal line technology, but most of the contentious decisions that give away, you know, fifties or chat like truly influence a game. Yeah. Are never on the goal line. Yeah. Because, like, how, how, you could go back to last year's Adelaide game where they own up afterwards and said, no, that, that definitely hit the post. It wasn't a goal. And, like, cool, that's once in, like, my probably last five years of covering footing that's happened. Most of the time, it's an umpire giving a 50 that wasn't there, or paying a holding the ball that wasn't there, yeah. or getting a hands in the back that wasn't there that changes the game. And there's no amount of technology can solve that. So I think our obsession with getting these decisions right on the goal line is a bit OTT, but, considering that we really don't get many other decisions right across the field. Does that mean
1: hotspot on uh, the AFL goalposts now? Yeah, we need, we need all of the cricket technology. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Just rock and roll that, plays, Baz.
1: If they get it if they get it 100% right, then use it. If they don't, then just get and a bit it. And quickly,
0: too. Yeah. Because if they talk about influencing games, having a five-minute stoppage and the team's on top to see if the ball did or did not hit the post.
1: And they want to make the game quicker. That's why they've got mm. you know, another five minutes off the market, the kick-ins, they got you can just run in and kick kick and you don't have to kick it to yourself or anything, then why hold up, why hold up the game for that, that amount of time? Yeah, doesn't make
0: too much sense in my book. And the last one, and it's a bit of a deep and meaningful question, so but... This is about, get serious, about to get serious. We have to get real serious. And again, you are a coach and you are exposed to a lot of uh, young people and about the same age as what AFL footballers are. But why are players seemingly so sad, do you think? It's it's a weird thing. Over this off-season, we've had a bunch of high-profile players coming out in AFL, but also I think the conversation was sparked by at the, the Sloan Conference in the US, the commission of the NBA came out and said, oh, there's a large proportion of our professional players that are, like, sad, if not clinically depressed or clinically anxious, just in general not having a great time. What do you think that is?
1: Basketball, they got well, they play eighty two games in how many days? So they're always travelling, always in the team, obviously their family that stuff. So training, are not playing, the train. Playing AFL with football is different because, in my opinion, like they still are, are still a professional athlete. They still you know have training loads and and lots of lifestyle restraints. So like they can't go out and, A lot of them can't go out and have a drink or go out for a night out without getting recognised and all those sorts of things. But I think in Australia we're a lot more relaxed around our sportsmen, like in America, it can be a bit uh, fanatic. Yeah? As in Australia, I think we're a bit more relaxed. I mean, they still get people coming up to them and stuff like that, but it's not as bad as it probably is in America. And, you know, we, we live in a pretty good place in, in Australia as well and Victoria where most of the players live. I think they, they they definitely have their outlets. And that's you see a lot of players do lots of different things, you know, charity work or have their own job and stuff like that. <clears throat> I think from a lot of the players that have been coming out lately with, you know, depression, anxiety and stuff. They've got had other things going on in their life and us as people don't gen- generally see that or hear about that, so we don't know and we just make judgment. I mean, you, especially with Jesse Hogan, yeah, he's done the wrong thing he probably needs to come out and admit that he did the wrong thing and stuffed up and, but you know, he's gone through testicular cancer. His father's died. So, you know, again, you've got to have a, some sort of perspective on his background mm-hmm. and, and what's going on in his head. Yes, he made the wrong decision. Yes, he made a mistake. But he should also, people need to also understand what situation he's in. And I don't think people think about that a lot, especially with just in normal everyday life. People don't, because people don't come out about their anxiety issues or mental health issues. People just think, oh, they're fine. And maybe think the way they're acting or the way they are around people is the way they are. But if they actually, the person felt more comfortable or comfortable enough to speak about it and let the group know and let people know, then people would actually go, okay, that's probably why he is or why he's so quiet or why he has trouble speaking in front of people, like a big group of people or something mm-hmm. like that because he probably gets anxious or he gets nervous or worries about what other people might think. So there's lots of things and it's starting to get, you know, it's the same with, I mean, we've seen you speak with um, Taylor Harris, Women in Sport, it's definitely getting spoken about more, mental health and these sorts of things and it's becoming more of a uh, public subject, I suppose, and people are starting to get, you know, educated on it I think it's probably yeah. the best way to um, to say uh, so the more people get educated the more people speak about it the, you know the more people learn I think as it uh, probably take a generation or two unfortunately but the better you know society will, will be for handling all these sorts of situations we are still not great you know we are still quite racist still people especially on social media so you know we think you've come a long way in 20 or 30 years but it's still probably gonna take another generation and unfortunately there'll always be those Dickheads out there, that, that 1% that ruin it for everyone. And I, I think you mentioned there about the social media, that's the major difference as well is that
0: Buckley was on SCN this week saying that in in actual club land where everyone knows what's going on, it's actually quite a supportive, structured environment. And if anyone had any issues whatsoever, physical, mental or whatever, it's actually one of the best places to be. And you hear that with, with rehabs. So like if you do your knee at local footy... yeah that's going to have massive implications because you not only can't play, but you can't work. Whereas there, if you're in a professional setup, if you do your knee or whatever, you have your support networks. Yeah. It feels pretty shitty to not be part of the playing group, but you still have a full rehab team, the full coaching support behind you, the full strength conditioning team and access to anything and everything that you need. So I think the issue for mine is now it's so easy for the outsiders that don't know what's going on to come in and just say something and Anyone who's kind of born, you know, in the 90s later is always on social media. It's just something yeah. that we've grown up with. Yeah. And we don't know that's a good thing or a bad thing. Well, probably is a bad thing, to be honest. But it's just a thing now. Everyone's doing it. It's very hard to t- take yourself away from that because you already are a little bit different being a professional sports person. So why remove yourself from all your friends? Because that's where you're going to find them. But then, you know, if you're Jesse Hogan, suddenly a... Your image, your video, whatever is being shared, but B, people can just chime in and say, oh, that's ridiculous, or you're a loser, or you're not good enough, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. it all compiles and adds on. Whereas back in the day, if you were playing VFL in the 80s, if someone to go up to you and say, you're a loser, or you're no good, or you shouldn't be playing in a 22, they have to tell you to your face. And they're yeah. probably not going to do it because you're six foot six and mm-hmm. 102 kilos. Yeah, so it's a bit of that keyboard warrior aspect as well, which is what we saw with the Taylor Harris incident as well, people just chiming in, thinking they're funny. And then not realise, either not realising or being completely ignorant to the fact that, oh, actually, that the person I'm
1: commenting on is actually real and yeah. will have a response to it. Yeah, it was disgusting, some of those comments. And it just shows how, yeah, as forward as we think we're going, mm. we're still very much backwards. I mean, you see it in our politics and everything like that where, it, you go back to 1990, 1980 and you look at how we behave. And you think that's disgusting, and even now you go, we've made leaps. Like we've come for, you know, so far forward, but there's still that. You know, probably ten to fifteen percent. We want to get that to one or zero percent, which you know, like I said, it's going to take another twenty or thirty years because the kids these days are growing up with their parents who you know grew up in that era. Mm. So that's how they act, That's how they're brought up, and now they're going to be doing the same, but it's kind of, they're also getting educated while they're growing up. I know that our local, at Old Brighton, this year, we've actually got a support group, so there's, I think it's about 10 or 15 parents, but they've got five or six players to look after, and I'll just report to them and speak to them and make sure they're all good and make sure they're staying out of trouble and healthy and all that stuff, which is a really good initiative for our club, and we've got a charter coming up as well, which is probably, you know, our club does a lot of things well, and we still do some things bad, but that's one thing I think this year has been a massive improvement from our club. Mm.
0: And that's probably the only silver lining around these things that they, they do force conversation to be had. And hopefully people are having them by choice, but also it's in the news now. It's in it's in there. It's being talked about. And hopefully we can use that, use these negative experiences for some to make them into positive experiences in the future. All right, let's talk some footy baths. It is round one. We're doing our previews a little bit differently this year. We are a betting podcast. We're here to try and make you some money. And to do that, we've chunked the games this year into three groups. We've got upset alerts, 50-50 picks, and sure things. And where you make your money is definitely with an upset alert, and that's where we'll start our round one preview. So it'll be Sunday afternoon is my first upset alert. St. Kilda are paying $1.25 as hosts at Marvel Stadium against the Gold Coast, who are $4 outsiders. The line here is 24 points, the over-under. 188. Now the last time these two teams met, St Kilda's head coach Alan Richardson's job was on the line, and nothing much has pretty much changed since then. It was a massive comeback, wasn't it? It was a massive comeback. They won by two points up north. Now, truth be told, St Kilda's best 22 on paper is probably not that bad. Only problem is, is that they're not going to be out there. They're about six or seven out already oh, from really their six. from their best 22. If not a lot more from their depth as
1: well. Their injuries is massive. And and what, you know, coming off the mental health thing with Jack Stephen, is when it was, when you first see him step away from the game, you see he was going to step away for a while, Mm. you know, midway through the year. Now, hopefully he's all good mentally and again, we don't want to be judging, but he's already back, so his fitness might be a problem, so he might be out. But they're missing Dylan Robertson, Paddy McCartan, Billy Longer, Dan Hanbury, Jake Carlisle, Nathan Brown. That's, some talent missing mm, from that side. And, absolutely. yeah. You know, Max Kings still out for eight to 10 weeks. He was a, uh, one of their top draft picks. Um, yeah. They've still got enough talent. They've actually changed their style. You watch the JLT, they're not as running gun anymore. They're a bit more precise. They're kicking uh, a bit slower in their ball movement, which is a good thing. because they were, they were very one-dimensional last year. It's just where their goals are then come from and, and are they going to be able to defend? And I think my... About a week ago, I was thinking, yep, G- Gold Coast are a good chance. But as I look through, I'm thinking maybe Gold Coast is still a bit young uh, and the St Kilda experience will probably get them over the line. But I would be... It is very much like a free swing
0: for Gold Coast,
1: though. It is. And that's what I... If Stewie Giro should have the boys ready to go. But, you know, they're still missing a few, of them, uh, few players themselves. Like Rankine, their top pick, you know, he's out for a while. Um, Rory Thompson, who's, you know, this, their back, key back, he's out. Aaron Young's out. Jack Leslie's out, so they're missing a few decent players. But I think I still think that they're they're probably going to be dominant in the ruck, which means their midfield will have first use. There's a lot of players that St Kilda wouldn't have seen before, so or know a lot about. So there's that that surprise factor as well. They are they're definite sneakers anyway, because
0: as away underdogs, the Gold Coast uh, were six and five against the spread last year. So they, I reckon they. They're a team, well, they were used to travelling after last year's ridiculous schedule, yeah. but B, I think they, they're a pretty tight-knit group now on the road. Like, they're used to buying into that mentality of, you know, we become one on the road type thing. Uh, whereas St Kilda aren't that great at home. So they're only, they're only home favourites twice last year, and they went one and one. So I still reckon at four bucks, there's plenty of value there for the Gold Coast to, to pick up a sneaky round one, and round one's that week to do it as well, because no one's seen anyone... No one really knows what's going to happen.
1: And Gold Coast have got rid of all the players that didn't want to be there. Yeah. So they're trying to build that unit, have that trust. They weren't too bad in the JLT. They won against the Doggies. Um, I can't. I did watch that game. I'm pretty good. They moved the ball well. Yeah, look, at four bucks, it's probably worth a, a decent shout. I'll probably, in my footy tipping, I'll tip St. Kilda because it's early and I don't want to be falling behind too early. But I mean, if you've got a cheeky tenor, as a rough year of the week, it's probably the way to go.
0: Absolutely. And then you can cover that with the line being 24 and a half, four goals. If, we, if we're concerned about St Kilda's ability to kick goals, and we should be, uh, last year they only went 20% for inside 50s to goals ratio. So they're not a very potent side at the best of times. Massive listed outs. I'll be going at least the cover for Gold Coast as an un- uh, away underdog, but I'll be definitely having a little bit of a, a spot bet there at four bucks for the head-to-head. Now, the second one is Brisbane versus West Coast. That's a Saturday night game. It's at the Gabattoir. Uh Brisbane are $2.80 home outsiders. West Coast, the travelling favourites are $1.44. And the line here is two goals. Now, we get to play our favourite game, which is contender or pretender, because Brisbane are the hype team of the preseason. Everyone thinks they're flipped the switch and they're, if not, funnels bound very close to the precipice. But your biggest reality check would be obviously playing the running premiers. Minutes, yeah. Do they build the fortress in round one or are West Coast simply too good to let one slip early?
1: you think West Coast would do the job over there. You would think so. You would hope so. And they've, they've been flying in the um, JLT Cup as well, West Coast. They played some good footy. very, very good. I think only really Josh Kennedy, obviously Gaff's still out for the first few weeks. With that um, suspension. Only really Nick Nat and Will Schofield are missing. Brisbane pretty much have a full... I'm pretty sure have a pretty full lineup. So it's pretty hard because we don't really... Uh, have the teams. Have the teams yet. But I'm just going off the injury list. And, you know, Brisbane aren't really missing... Obviously, Marcus Adams went up there. But other than that, they're not really missing anyone. So they're going to be pretty much fully locked and loaded. Locky Neal going to be playing for them. Jerry Lyons will be a good midfield battle mm-hmm. with both midfields. Uh, I just think... Yeah, West Coast down forward should be too strong and have more scoring power than what Brisbane will.
0: Absolutely. And, yeah, history has shown that West Coast are pretty, well, A, dominant over Brisbane first off, but also have no problems travelling to Queensland and playing at the Gabba. Again, that round one makes it a little bit more enticing to maybe pick Brisbane. I still think West Coast should win. They probably should cover the two goals as well. And I think, if anything, the the bookies are making this look a little bit too enticing than it probably is in reality. Is there anything to be said, though, for Brisbane getting on top of the midfield? Because obviously Nick Knapp won't be there. They've lost Lysett, so it'll be... Tom Hickey. Tom Hickey versus Stefan Martin.
1: Yeah, I think the midfield battle will be... Uh, you say uh, Lysett's not there. I think Tom Hickey is probably an underrated ruckman. I think he would do well for West Coast. Hmm. Um, but we
0: ha- we had Stefan Martin, our pre-season chat, up there with some of the best ruckmans in the yeah, competition.
1: Yeah, and, and he is. Well, I think Tom Hickey should do, still be able to, nullifying. Be around the ground where Steph Martin will definitely run hickey ragged. Midfield, I think the midfield's pretty even when you look at it. Obviously, West Coast is still missing one mile or two through suspension and injury with gaff, but yeah, I just don't see how Brisbane's going to score against their defence and with their and then obviously defending West Coast for all on it. I think they can break even in midfield or even have their fair share of inside 50s. I think they'll score too much for Brisbane. I do if I was probably going to have a punt this game, I'd be going 20-39 West Coast. Yep. I reckon they'll cover the line of 30 and a half, They'll win by about four or five goals. They'll do it easily enough, but Brisbane will make it interesting. Yep. Which is probably going
0: to be the theme for Brisbane this year. Moving on to our sure things, and we go to the grand opener of the season, which I think is a bit overrated now. This apparently is the traditional battle between two you know great historical sides, but wouldn't we rather see, you know, a grand final replay or yeah. anything else?
1: That's another news story that gets rehashed every year about this time. Yeah,
0: but, we, like, literally anything other than Carlton versus Richmond at the MCG on a Thursday night. All, it's it, a bit of a joke that this game's going to get, like, 90,000.
1: Was it the last two years this game's been a bit of a fizzle?
0: Well, last year was actually not that bad because Carlton kicked the first five goals. Mostly due to our... Uh, yeah, but then... The, the, yeah, and then, then it fizzed out and Richmond yeah, still won. Yeah. But, like, it was exciting for all of 22 minutes. Yeah. And I think that will be the case again. So, right now, there are a lot of Carlton fans who are very excited for the 2019 season. Yeah. Because they've got the number one draft pick. He's the number one favourite to be the Rising Star. They've got Paddy Cripps, who apparently is the future of of football, not even the club, just football in general, future Brownlow medalist. No chat about, you know, making finals or anything like that. They've just got two decent, or not two very good footballers to look out for, and they're super excited. And then I think that lasts all of. A half? Yeah, I think... Before yeah. I realised that, oh, we're back to... Playing
1: Richmond. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Richmond with uh, Lynchy, They were pretty strong. That, that, they'll win. They'll win pretty comfortably. I think the line, 35 and a half, probably a bit overs, maybe. Yeah,
0: yeah I think, especially for round one and especially for, you know, Richmond are still Richmond. Yeah. They are renowned for just doing some odd things in round one.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think they'll still win. Matt Wiles is a player, play, which is great. And obviously, see is back for... is a a play for Carlton in the and Settlefield and... Um Welsh is going to play. So look, it's going to be a good game, I think, for probably a half, three quarters. I think Rich will run over the top, four or five goal winners. and I'm, I'll watch the games. I'm excited for his back, but I don't, I, I don't expect to see anything exciting. Not
0: even like good game style or something? What do you think's a pass mark for Carlton? Because I think this year, obviously going to be judged on wins. To quote Nathan Buckley, it's a win-loss industry. Yes. But they're not going to win that many games. So what do you have to see here? Is it, is it, is it intent? Is it creativity? Like what makes it a good what, – what are the good signs you want to see from Carlton,
1: even in a loss? Just being in the game and just uh, – yeah, exactly what you said, the intent and the pressure. You want to see him – you want to see him scoring. But last year they scored how many times on the – 60 points or 70 points? Mm. They never scored over a hundred. Like those sorts of things is what they need to show. Like, show improvements in those areas, scoring and obviously stop leaking points and stop leaking goals. And just being competitive and in games more. If they if they do that, then Bolton will survive another year. But if they start getting followed they did the last probably I don't know, what, eight to ten weeks last year. Yeah. I reckon Bolton's in trouble midway through the year. I think they went through that with their with the season preview. But um yeah, I just still think Richmond win pretty oh, comfortably. Absolutely. And,
0: my only question mark for Richmond, and it's more of, uh, again, what's a pass mark, is obviously big-name recruit Tom Lynch. He's, he's in that buddy model now, but he got a lot of uh, criticism for going to Sydney. Tom hasn't got that because I think everyone agrees that no one wanted to be a gold case, and that's yeah. probably fair enough. Yeah. What does he need to show in his debut? Because everyone's given him the pass. All these teammates who in done media this week have said, oh, we didn't recruit him for one game, we recruited him for you know, X number of years.
1: For for a bloke that hasn't played for a while? Just get through it? Just get through it uninjured, yeah. Get through it and just make sure he's building his fitness models, like building his fitness for later in the year. I reckon he'll play. He'll play. He's already said he's going to play. But he'll be on managed loads, I reckon. And I reckon Richmond know that can probably get through the game with that and will still win and be happy with that. And I wouldn't be surprised if he plays the first two or three games of the year. And he gets rested for a game or two, then comes back again. Yeah, gets managed to for the first half of the season.
0: I think that'll be twenty a theme we'll see now. Is that a lot more? A lot more coaches are caring less about the opening few rounds of the year, and that's again something that Buckley mentioned in his uh, commentary on SCN. Is that the players now have to do so much more than they used to in the off season? There is no real off season. If anything, you play. You got your in season, you have got finals, and then you've got like promotion season, yeah. where they have all these commitments for the AFL, especially the top guns, like like and your big recruits and your big mergers. Anyone involved with AFLX, etc., etc., etc. So it'll be interesting to see which superstars get managed across all the teams. Our next short—I've called this a shorter thing—but the bookies aren't with me. Friday night, Collingwood dollar sixty-one favourites against Geelong two dollars thirty-four. The line here is a very small eight and a half. The over under one eighty. People are saying it's going to be a blockbuster. People are saying it's the headline game of the round. In reality, will the game live up to this hype? I don't think so. Collingwood finished comfortably top four and Geelong seem to be on the slide. If they just go form v form, list v list, surely this, is, this should be a comfortable Collingwood victory. But how confident are you as a Collingwood
1: fan? I'm slightly confident, which again is worrying. <laughs> yeah, you look like at our rock. A rock. Grundy should smash whoever he's playing. Yeah. I don't know. I think Smith's out, so it must be Rhys Stanley or someone. They're pulled from uh, the Geelong local league. Uh, so our midfield should be too good. I noticed that Paddy and Sal would have been playing outside a bit more, not inside. So you've got Constable and, and those sorts of blokes, uh, Parfit and those guys in, in the middle trying to win the footy out. So they're actually trying to change that up, which is good for them. Uh, going forward, they have got Sav and Tomahawk and, you know, Narkel, so they're still developing that four line down back is, is probably a worry. So you got Tom Stewart, which you know is a gun, but Harry Taylor's still playing. So it's a, you know, how many more years can he go without being a bit of a liability? Well, I don't, I don't know what's going on there because Chris
0: Scott has already come out and defended a lot of his liability players, and so you've got Taylor, and not it's unfair to put Ablett in this category, but he also came out and said like, if we're expecting Ablett to win us games, we're in the wrong position, but. That's a weird thing to say to anyone who's a walk-up to start in the first 22. Yeah. Because surely you're saying as a coach, all of you have to play your role so that we win games. All of you are game winners. That's why you're in our first 22. Yeah. So it's weird to give a selection of players passes and saying, "On oh, no, it, they can just cruise through and manage themselves and come in and come out as they please. It's a weird thing for a head coach to say before round one as well.
1: They also lose two areas. He's a pretty important coach. I, mean, I know we're missing a few like Taylor Adams and you know, Degoe is in a play now, but like Taylor Adams and probably Hoskin Elliott are probably the two that would come straight back in if it, maybe Daniel Wells and obviously you got Ben Reed is out as well, but you've got Degoe definitely playing, uh, Langdon's definitely playing and so is James Stephenson. also so is Darcy Moore and Jamie Elliott. Massive wins. obviously Beams in, Jordan Ruffhead is going to be a massive in for us I think of halfback and with Darcy Moore, those do look good in the JT. Yeah. I- I just think we should win and we come for it. I think the eight points is very generous.
0: I'd definitely take the eight points. Uh, the only thing I could find to like temper the excitement is that you have a pretty average round one record and Geelong have a very good one. Geelong's won 11 of its last 14 round one games. Collingwood would have won just the one from seven under Nathan Buckley and have been beaten in the last
1: three season openers.
0: That doesn't mean anything, it's just historical facts.
1: Yeah, well it's not it's not great still, is it? It's not great, and, stats, it's same, and it's the same as their stats, it's not great.
0: Yeah. It's just a little bit of like a nervousness just to keep keep those Conwood fans grounded, but I'm definitely taking Conwood at the line of eight and a half. I should do that comfortably. Uh, and if you're looking for a prop bet, given the six 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 and all the hard round Brodie Grundy and the fact that I said he's gonna win the Brown Eye Medal, uh over twenty five disposals paying three dollars sixty. like right, that essentially. I like that a lot, so I'll be taking that as well. Another sure thing, and oh boy, it pains me to say this, but Melbourne are paying a dollar thirty-one versus Port Adelaide, who are paying three dollars fifty. That's at the MCG. The line here is twenty-two points. Out with the old, in with the new. That's been Port Adelaide's mantra this year, and they are going to have eleven changes from their round twenty-three side from last year. Is eleven
1: changes too many? Yep, and they haven't shown much, and I think they're going to be we've already discussed this, but uh, Melbourne should smash them really at the MCG. Now, do we trust
0: Melbourne to smash them? Because uh, this is our issue. We have when it comes to Melbourne, we have trust I issues. I reckon
1: Melbourne, yeah, we do, and this will be the first test for Melbourne.
0: What do you think we'll is a there. pass mark? If if Port but, Melbourne are as poor as we think they're going to be,
1: if, Port Ali, if, Port don't, if they don't beat Port Adelaide by more than five goals, then there's problems. <laughs> look at the look. They haven't got any rock. Really poor.
0: No, they're going to play Ryder in a helmet, I think, is the aim.
1: Really? So him and Lister are going to play together. Now, how many times has it worked when they've played Ryder half? When he generally goes off halfway through the game or he doesn't have full capacity. Mm. Yeah, I just don't rate Port at the moment. And now are they am missing their, you know fair few players, but they get obviously Viney back, Nathan Jones, all those blokes back. Dick, Dixon's probably unlikely to play. Ollie Wines is out. Paddy Ryder's a, a, te- a test, so, so really, who, who do they have? they are gonna rely on, on the same blokes in uh, Robbie Gray to win them again. Mm. Chad Wingard's not there. No, no, got, who, I don't know who's gonna replace Polipop half back. Um, so yeah, I'd am i be worried for Port LA this year. But they've got some good young ki- kids and they're probably gonna come through and play some good footy. But Melbourne, they're a top four team and they should be a top four team. A top four team should be this company by six goals. Uh, will you be taking them at the line, though, 22 and a half?
0: Yes. Yeah? Will you be taking them at over 40? No. Okay. So not, not that confident. That's that's the baseline. Yep. Let them pass the baseline first. Correct. Uh, and all the all the uh, metrics back it up, even just the basic stats. So Port have only beaten Melbourne at the MCG twice in the last 10 meetings. That's over a 10-year period. Yep. So even when Melbourne weren't even that good, Port couldn't beat them at the G. So chances are they won't do it on Saturday afternoon. Another one words, everyone thinks a little bit closer than I think it's going to be. A sure thing will be Saturday, Twilight, Adelaide, $1.36 versus Hawthorne, who are paying $3, which is very strange to see Hawthorne that far out. Uh, the line here is 20, the over-under, one eighty-six, And these are two big question mark teams of the year. Was last year an aberration for Adelaide? Should they bounce back? Was last year an overperformance year for Hawthorne? Should they slide down the ladder? This will be one of the very first sliding door moments, I think, of 2019. But Adelaide, you think list v list, especially the, there's no Tom Mitchell, there's a big gaping hole in Hawthorne's midfield. Adelaide should win this comfortably.
1: Sloan's pretty fit. They've got no injuries whatsoever. They've got Seesman out for a week and Luke Brown at it. They're yeah. injury free. It's a bro- it's Prince crystal massive in. I think they're on. The, that will be a big team to watch this year because if they get it together, they're going to be scary. They play enough games at home. As for Hawthorne, just too many injuries. You know, Chad Wingard is is not likely to play. He's another week or so away. Scully's another, you know, a few weeks away. Mitchell's out. Daniel Howell's out. Gunston's iffy, you know, maybe. Birchell's out. So, you know, again, who's going to kick their goals? Who's going to, you know, show up their defence? Who's going to win? Did the job from the midfield really. Adelaide, again? Well, the midfield's looking like Amira Shields, Warpole, and Cousins. You put that against you know Adelaide's midfield of you know the Crouchers, you know, Sloan, um, Gibbs, Gibbs, those sorts of blokes, and you are like, yeah, good luck. Yeah. So, I am going Adelaide all the way, especially with Sammy Jacobs, Hill, you know, and McAvoy. Probably not the two best ruckmen around the ground, but two pretty good tap ruckmen. Uh, yeah. I, I was, again, you look at you look at each each section: mids, backs, forwards, and you just everything's Adelaide, tick, tick, tick.
0: Yeah. Uh, will you be taking them to cover the line or just be putting them in, in for a tip?
1: Um, I'd, in my multi, I'll just be putting them in to, to win, but uh, I think the line's still pretty generous at 9.5, especially at home, and generally when they get on top of teams at home, Adelaide, they put them away.
0: That's the great segue for my selective bet for this one. Adelaide to win the fourth quarter by 5.5 is paying 89 So Hawthorne were a pretty poor fourth quarter side last year. Had lots of outs, lots of guys who are going to be under the under conditioned and not used to playing AFL footy, plus the older blokes that will fade anyway. And in their last in their two JLT games ish this, this year in the preseason, season, they faded heavily in the fourth quarters as well. So, for some reason, they just don't seem to be able to run out games, which is very strange for a, such a like well drilled club or what used to be a very well drilled club, yeah. But, all the form ones suggest they're going to fade in the fourth, so take Adelaide to win the fourth by more than a goal. On to our 50-50 picks, which are there are plenty for round one, because we have no idea what's going to happen. And the first one of those is the Doggies versus the Swans. That's Saturday night. They're playing at Etihad. Dogs are $2.23, Sydney $1.66, so they're the away favourites. And the line here is just a goal. So I think some of this is just based on history. So since... 2016, the Swans are 19 and seven at Marvel or Eddie Head or yeah. Docklands, whatever yeah. you want to call it. Um, so they travel there really, really well, and obviously the Dogs have not been much chopper since their premiership in 2016. Is this the year, however, where we have another sliding doors moment? Like, do we? Every year we do the same thing with Sydney. We say they're they're too old, they're dumb, their list has to rebuild. It's time for all those other guys to go. Buddy's past it, and then every year they
1: make finals. Yeah, is this finally the year where they don't? Could be. They got. To, they have to rebuild a bit on the run, hmm. and Buddy. Whether Buddy plays a big thing with uh, his, again, like is he a massive out these days? I, I'm not sure.
0: And sometimes they play a little bit more creative going forward when he's not there.
1: Correct. So, I'm of leaning towards the dogs here, just because it's at Eddie Had. And there's a bit of unknown about it, but they are missing a few. Like obviously they've still got uh, Boyd out, Dale out, Johansson out, um, Dale Morris obviously down his knee, and uh, obviously you know Picken and Liam John as well. So they're, they're probably they're still missing a, a fair bit of talent. But I don't know, something about the doggies playing at Marvel against the Swans just I don't know, the doggies kind of appeal to me. Maybe I've been talked into it by my West when my Western Bulldogs uh, co-worker. He's probably Got me a bit too much this week about the doggies having a chance. But Marnie, again, again I, I don't know how Sydney generally keep the games low scoring. Mm-hmm. The games are and that's probably in the doggies' favour because I don't know who's going to score their goals. Like Billy Gowers, is he going to be the number one goalkeeper for them? Does the Bont spend more time down there? Does Shucky finally break a game open? Obviously, Norton's going to play down there through what Bebo's saying. And then it's just with the 666 and the whole way they're now to comp set up. Bebo has to play at Ruckman. So, does, does English come in and actually play as pop proper go? Uh, is there any more experita- experimentation with other blokes? You know, they're missing a few backs now as well. With uh, Obviously, Adam's going and a few injuries to their, few of their back. Ones. So, so if Norton. you
0: take stock of what you've just said, you've literally talked yourself out of the pick for doggies. Oh, I haven't, though. Yeah. You've just listed like 10 blokes who are out and three reasons why I'm not, like they've got no one to kick goals, they've got no one to defend, and they may or may not play Ruckman.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I know. this is Sydney doing
0: Sydney things.
1: Let's get a feeling it's going to be a closer game and what's maybe you just pick both teams under 15 and a half because I just have a feeling it's going to be a close, tight game. I think the obvious choice here is under 174. Yes. Both teams don't score a lot.
0: Yeah. And round one, typically low scoring. I think yeah. I think a lot of these lines are a little bit higher than what they should be because of the 666 impact and the bookie's a little yeah. bit scared to put them where they usually are because most of the lines last year were in that 160 to 170, not 170 to 180. So. Yeah. We've got a bit of, about 10 points leeway, I reckon, this week. I'll be picking Sydney, uh, and if I was going to uh, have a, a play on this, I'd have Sydney to cover the 7.5, because um, I'm not trusting the doggies yet, and they're not great as like underdogs either. They, they, don't really, they don't really jag that many games that they shouldn't, and this is one of those games, in my opinion. Another 50-50 game. Massive hype game as well. GWS, $1.62 versus Essendon, $2.31. They're playing it spotless. The line here is, again, a goal over under 180 points. Some people will say this is the top four clash. Some people will say both of these teams are overhyped. Which do you believe?
1: I believe neither. Um, (laughs) I believe in nothing. (laughs) They're definitely not top four teams, and they're both definitely overhyped. JWS win, Italy. Yep, Essendon. You just don't trust Essendon. No, I don't. And Devin Smith comes out and has a crack at his old club and on on the behalf of Dylan Schill at post match interview last week. And uh, I just don't think he's. I, know, I know. Well, Do you
0: reckon those two boys are the boys that would would lift for the occasion? A big, a big middle fingers in the air to JWS, and we're here, and look how good we are. When we're going to We're going to win a flag somewhere on this situation. A bit of an Adam Trelaw type mentality. When he, whenever he plays Richmond, he's always kind of not that he makes sure, but he always seems a bit more up for it to prove the point.
1: Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't think I, I know Smith probably is because he's very he comes across a very arrogant sort of a player and uh, very confident in his abilities. I think Dylan Shields a bit more grounded, but I, I don't think Smith needs to maintain his level of performance he yeah, had last year, so he's put that extra bit of pressure on himself now and will you know, he just needs to get through some more footy and, and perform. He's going to be, he's going to have a lot of pressure on him being a, a big recruit, you know, high-priced recruit, giving up a lot for him as soon. so he's going to have that extra pressure on him, especially with you no know, in now playing. Yeah, no yeah. Jannaher, no
0: Hooker, so the two talls either end.
1: Yep. Um, Zach Merritt will, will, will end up playing. Yeah, they probably, Dyson Heck will end up playing. Other than that, they're, they're pretty much at full strength apart from those two talls and well, GWS are you know missing what Callum Ward, Patton, Manford, Langdon. So yeah, I think GWS at home. I think GWS gonna come back a hard inside this year. You know, I just haven't seen enough from Essen and the JLT, which the GLT, it's, it shows have changed their style of footy. And if they haven't, then they're going to struggle again and be probably where they were last year.
0: Yeah. And they haven't been that great against the the topper-end side. So last year, against eventual top four teams, the Bombers went one and five. I'm not considering GWS to be a top four team, but they're going to be in that top six-ish contention in yeah. that bracket of teams. So Essendon haven't proved to us. We said we don't trust them. That's because they haven't proved themselves against the good sides yet. And until they do so, it's pretty hard to back them in. Uh, that being said, I'm probably just going to tip on this game and not have a bet, though... The bracket there would be GOS 1 to 39. That's paying $2.25 for those who want to have a dabble. Sunday, Twilight, Fremantle versus North Melbourne. This is a complete 50-50 coin toss. The odds say that. There is no line. Round one is renowned for leaving punters with more questions than answers, and this is just a game full of questions. I've got no idea what's going to happen in this one.
1: Do you have any idea what's going to happen in this one? No idea. None. I've, I've, I've tipped Freeman just for the nat five factor. Nat five, Walters, and, and the Ruckman, Jewel. Um, and just, I think, Fremantle look a better side on paper at home. But they're going to, they're missing a lot of tall timber down forward, which could ironically help them because they're pretty poor at keeping the ball inside the 50. So, I literally tossed a coin for this because, like, North, yeah, they did well last year, but I think they're still not as good as what they, what everyone thinks. Uh, and to be honest, like this is this is a game you just can't pick. up The fact that it's in Perth, Nat Five's playing. Pretty sure sounds will get up. Then I'm picking Frey.
0: So the crazy thing was, so last year Frey were like the poor man's flat track bullies. Yeah. So seven of their eight wins came from home. Yeah. So you go, oh, they're pretty good at home, except. The North were the first team to take points away from Optus Stadium back to Melbourne, and North travelled pretty well. They're a pretty dogged side. So there's, and other than that, they match up. They're very similar sides. They're kind of low scoring, grindy type, yeah. uninspiring, ugly footy sides. Yeah, and And uh, yeah, not a great game to end on for this for the end of the end of the uh, round one, and uh, not a great game to pick. I've I'm going to tip North.
1: Because I don't trust Freo. And generally, North have been the kind of silence of the fact they're talking about him. Then St. Kilda replaced him. Freo could end up there. So there's only two or three teams that could very much. They're circling around the kind of silence. That's not worth talking a lot about. And, And I think these two teams are heading that way. And, I mean, North fought back last year and they had to get spoken about because they did well. They need to keep that up if they want to get spoken about.
0: Cold pies and hot takes. Do you have a hot take for round one? Either performance, a news cycle, a headline. What do you think is going to happen in round one? Jamie let the kick
1: off. That's pretty good. I reckon Jamie Elliott. So it just
0: comes back into the side and then just dominates.
1: Just dominates. Yeah. Uh, and by Sunday, i are going to be just in love with Sam Walsh even more than what we are. Yeah. Because I reckon have a pretty good game. My, my hot take is
0: the team on top of the ladder after this round... Won't make finals. I think because it's so many 50-50 games, so many quirky games, yeah. and there's a lot of teams that are either resting their guns early on, managing loads, all sorts of things, I think there's going to be a team that's going to have a big win early, end up on top, and then be found out and actually come back and everyone starts playing proper, has their full workloads on. So my example from last year was Port. They, they were second on the ladder last year after round one. Had a very convincing round one win. Everyone, I was all, all aboard the Port training. We were, we were We were not only ticket holders, we were conductors. You were driving, I was taking the tickets. We were full steam ahead and the wheels fell off and they didn't play finals. And I think that could happen to another team. So the hot take is on top of the ladder, but there's definitely going to be either first or second from round one, will not play finals. Twenty nineteen. You had it here first. That's what I'm Yeah. Choose one.
1: Bring
0: your money making make a Our feature to four the next one. Do you have the next one. the next one. the
1: next one. Collingwood to win between 20 and 39 points, which is $4.50. Excellent. Uh, mine
0: will be Gold Coast to beat St Kilda as paying $4. Do you have a value bet?
1: I'm um, just going to give you a, a bit of a multi I've got, yep. which is a bit of value. Uh, so Collingwood to win, all head-to-head, Collingwood to win, Melbourne to win, Adelaide to win, Fremantle to win. That gives you... Five dollars ten, and I think they're all pretty. Apart from free round, it's all pretty, pretty straightforward, isn't it?
0: Pretty straightforward, that for free Yeah,
1: yeah. So you're just running one. One little juicy, juicy uper. Fair enough. Juice it up a bit.
0: My my value bet I mentioned before will be Brody Grundy over twenty five disposals, uh, which is paying three dollars sixty. Very sensible value bet there, in my opinion. And Baz for round one. What is your sure thing? In a round, it's very low on sure things.
1: <sighs> Can't let them do this. Melbourne, to cover the line, $1.90. Oh, Melbourne, do not let us down
0: in round one. That would be disgusting. Uh, my sure thing for round one is Adelaide to win the fourth quarter by five and a half. That's also paying a $1.90. There we go. That's the preview done. First one. First one of many for the year. And uh, this year, we're very active on social, so we'd love to hear your picks, your tips, you know our format. We want to hear about roughies. We want to hear about value bets. We want to hear about sure things. We want to hear about hot takes. And let us know what you want to hear, Baz, on the blower about in our current affairs segment each week. You can hit us up on our Twitter handle at sc__mag__oz or our own personal handles. Just search for our names on Twitter. We're also on Facebook and we're also in the fully live app. We'll be hovering around the uh, top section of their news feeds and in their podcast section. And of course... Go support our sponsor, the Yorkshire Hotel. Uh, we'll be hanging out there Friday night, actually. A couple of the uh, sporting chance boys will be having a work meeting, in inverted commas. Probably just watching the pies dominate the cats. So uh, to all the teams, good luck, and may your bets get out. Come on.